Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to From Out of Game. I want to start by apologizing that it's been so long for having another episode. Lots of busy things going on. I can't say my life's been too tough. I just got to say there was a lot going on. I am aware that the last episode I recorded had a lot of meat in it, and I know I should be doing some of the in the DMs right now. But I'm going to get into that after another episode that checks in with Erwin Kane. Just want to keep everyone up up to date that I have done. I've been doing games even in that downtime uh, between episodes. I've, I've got a lot of Dandy Boys in. I got a lot of good stuff with the pirate campaign too. Me and the family played not too long ago. It was, it was good stuff, man. So where we last left off with our heroes, they had just talked to Torok after the Battle of Elmholm, and they made it into the mines, and they are curious with the absence of druid communication, which is going to be another episode, like a quick one for like establishing factions. So they're going to go investigate why the druids have been contacting uh, the dwarves of this mountain, also because Torok is half druid, half fighter. And so he sends the heroes there in Kanov with his symbol of peace, which is basically his stamp that could only be made by him and used by him is how he sends his letters. And he says, if you find my animal companion out there in the woods, he will help you find the druids. So we start to just go off in this random direction. I wasn't exactly sure how I wanted to, I, I guess, depict, deliver, deliver this image to my players where it, it was supposed to just feel like this endless woods, you know? It, it wasn't supposed to have anything like jumping out at them or anything fantastic, but it was snowing. And Thero has a constant effect of enduring elements. He, he is chosen by his deity of Tritherian, or Tritherion, however you want to pronounce it, and he has an indoor elements, and he basically never really has to sleep. I've, I've gotten to the point where he still has to sleep eight hours in between, um, I guess, not encounters, but to get his spells back, because he's a spellcaster. And Kane is just a cold-blooded killer. He doesn't really need to sleep other than for key points. His key energy is how he harnesses his spiritual power into all of his ninja-like abilities. And he also has to rest to do that. But as a homebrew, uh, I guess like a house rule, all elves, we have, uh, but we let them trance. And especially because I, I like it because normally elves are immune to sleep spells and like sleep effects. So we just let them kind of trance. And I actually got that from the guy who plays Kane. He, I, I believe he was the one that started that home rule, and I, I love it. It could have been my, my other best friend who plays another game, but regardless, I don't think I ever made that, that house rule. I just like it a lot, so I stuck with it. So they try to power through this walk through the woods, right? And even Thero decides he's going to fly and see how big the woods is. And I, I just tell him it's vast. It's, it's huge. <clears throat> but I slowly start to introduce um, the idea of there being watched again, because the last time 
they were being washed in the woods was by gargoyles. Or that, that one gargoyle who got into the actual castle that they opened. So to kind of skew their judgment, this next spying attempt was actually by a raptor, which is Torok's companion. For all you Turok fans, there we go. He's, he's got a raptor familiar, because eventually druids of a high enough level can change their uh, animal companion uh, species. Species is the word. So this raptor comes out, and if they would not have the symbol, because they, they had to persuade Torok to give them something, because I, I wasn't just going to give them whatever. They asked for it. Then they would have a Velociraptor attack them, potentially, or at least being wary, if anything. But neither of them have handled animal, so this little bonus that they did for that simply realized, hey, you're with my my friend, so I will help you. So now they walk around with this Raptor. Even more things start to quote unquote spy, but it's a little more obvious because, as you can tell with certain spellcraft, which there was. Uh, specifically trained in, he learns that these animals that are walking around are acting as spies for the, the, it's to show them that they're getting close to where they need to be. And it's the druids kind of gathering, like, okay, who's coming? We have a dilemma. And they start seeing what's going on. So a wolf comes out with, like, a message, and he just drops it because it's an animal message spell, which is, like, a level one or two spell. And then the wolf's trance breaks, and Thero reads this message, and it just says, friend or foe. And he just calls out, friend. And then all of a sudden, like, excuse me, from six trees, this, these druids meld out from the trees, and they have their weapons drawn, and they just want to make sure, like, hey, we're, we're, we're really trusting that you're, you're friendly here. Because we've been watching you for a little bit, and we know that you have that raptor following you. So... They, they talk, and they, they end up getting the the druids to kind of calm down and accept their help. <clears throat> and this is where I wanted to deliver, like, a big, like, hook to the terrain, where they've been walking over the great druid encampment the whole time, where these druids stone-shape their hands through the snow, and this magical set of stairs just caves in to this subterranean level. And it, it's almost like just a massive city that you could see in big games like World of Warcraft or Guild Wars, something like that. It, it's just a big community of natural living people, of natural lights and natural flowing water. And they, they kind of use this pressure system for equalizing up the air. And so they say, we could really use your help if you're friends with Torok. We, we haven't seen from him in a while. We know his disposition and we can use the help. So they guide the players down into, uh, like, through the streets, quote, like, not really streets, and they get to the Grand Tree, and it's supposed to be, think of, like, a big sequoia tree and then just triple the size. And basically what you'd see out of the ground would be just a big snowy tree, but it's really just a branch of the great druidic oaks that they use to communicate with each other in Caymans across the world, across provinces, and of the like, which, like I said, will be in another episode to kind of establish how I set up factions in my world, <clears throat> in like a world-building episode. 
So what they see is they see this older man strung up at the base of the root, like his his veins are attached to roots and his body is almost fused into this tree and he, he speaks with the tree. He's the vessel that, that combines the human aspect to the natural aspect. And his eyes are rolled back into his head and he's just muttering to himself. And this is Novarin Doberson, which I had to use him because <clears throat> it's actually one of my characters that I've played in a campaign for two years. He's since retired, but it's who I played as. And I always saw him eventually as throwing aside his adventurous ways because he, he wasn't the best adventurer, but he wasn't terrible. But he would seek out to help all. And the best way he can do that is be this big druidic leader. And so they start asking questions like, what happened? Um, why is he like this? And how long has he been like this? And in front of this great druid tree is... The way I set it up is a big scrying pool, which can be used for other things, which I'll get into that after the break. But it's this big, like, perfect pool of water that's about knee-high, and it's got these little exotic flowers about it and um, different herbs. And so they start asking questions to the druids. Um, oh, I just had his name. I'm going to have to get it because my notes are right next to me. And uh, what they what they do is they ask, how do you get like this? And it turns out that he was poisoned, obviously, no spoilers there, <clears throat> that it, it, they, they've got this main druid poisoned as it's really a diversion, but that happens later. So they just ask, how can we help? Because Kane already knows he rolls his check for a, a previous history like his previous profession because like i said in the last episode he was an assassin and he knows that there's a guy he used to work with named rixid and rixid is a dark elf who was also an assassin who specializes in poison so they ask how can we help and they say well we have we have an experimental way of trying to take care of this because we, we have reason to believe that he's trapped in his own head so what we need to do is we need to wait for the druids on a scouting trip to come back from the Holophod woods. And when they return, we will see if we can get anyone into his dreamscape. For Fallout players, you already know that I'm clearly copying and pasting that. I take no credit for a dreamscape. I tried a temporary, sorry, not temporary, a prototype run of this with a previous campaign just to see how it would play. Because <clears throat> I just love the idea of traveling through someone's memories and brain um, activity, you know. So I, I did borrow that inspiration and they decide, hey, we'll do it. We will go inside Novrin's dreamscape. And quick side point, it's only pseudo copying pasting because the dreamscape was already written into the manual of the planes for three five and i think that's copyright 2003 somewhere around there i've got that book somewhere <clears throat> and so i've always been fascinated with that so all they do they spend this whole night and they they just shop I, my players love a big city experience because they get to shop they look for salves healing salves so naturally they found a uh, ointment that helps them with the crystal constructs. 
and personally from the DM's perspective, I felt like I've been screwing them over too much with the um, infinite wounding that comes with the, the crystal constructs. And I'll explain them in another in the DMs. But yeah, I, I felt like I was really screwing them over. Like there is no cure. So obviously druids have a natural way of healing it. So they, they shop for that stuff. They shop for healing potions. Excuse me. They shop for antitoxin and they just get the whole, excuse me, God, the whole experience of basically a, a, a hippie convention. And it was great because I can't offer these same things at least at the same potency and price range that I can in a big city because I have to keep that immersion in for my players so it really sells the point. Um, Kane even talks to this experimental druid who's trying to get like a rebreather thing going on to help like humans and elves, non-aquatic people breathe underwater. And I don't think Kane gauged the fact that he was only going to be here for like a day or two and that the guy would want his stuff back. So nothing really transpired from that um <clears throat> so after they spend like maybe 200 300 gold each they end up just partying they, they revel because they, they're not sure what's going to happen so they try to party and they know that's what their person would want their their leader nova would want really because you know you can't really be upset if you if your time has come but if they have reasonably they can reverse it why not try so, just a big old party, and I use this time in, in the background, because I'm always doing side quests as the DM, I set up the assassins that are coming back in, because it was really a setup. They, they use the, the, the ploy of, hey, Novrin's going to be saved by Cain and Thero, and they don't quite have Thero pinpointed yet, the new assassins, but they always want to get rid of Cain. Kane is a wrench in the gears to all the assassins now because he knows the ins and outs. So they have him, and they're like, cool, we can kill him since we're here. But our main motive is to kill the druids that are atop the great oak tree, which are weather-controlling druids. And we can get into... I'll have to make another like mini-sode that keeps away the plot my players. Because if they start listening to that, then... They, they won't want to if they know it's part of the plot. So yeah, they, they want to take some of the weather-controlling druids. Well, just one of them, really. So let me gather all my thoughts again. And I will come back with the second half of that encounter. And y'all stay tuned. I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. I just found all my notes from the session. The circle, the, the circle of druids leader is named Barbanus, and he came to the heroes because it's very odd for druids to be poisoned. For those of you who know, it's like level twelve when druids just don't get poisoned. But this was a mythic, a mystical sort of arcane demon pact sort of thing, which I'll get into. Anyway. Uh, the druids come back from the Holophod woods, which is just a nearby neighboring wood with more rare uh, ingredients for this this ritual. And they pretty much get Thero and Cain into this pool, and they begin the ritual to help them fall asleep, where they 
find themselves in Novrin's old memories. And basically, the first memory they jump into is, and maybe I can get into this character way more often, is basically his childhood. His childhood is just a typical village where everyone is either of a big militaristic lifestyle or they're serving their their kin, you know, their, their family or their loved ones or the community. So they see young Novrin and he's just happy as all can be when normally what was supposed to happen in his childhood, he was supposed to go out into the woods, kill a wolf and return victorious. In this pseudo memory, that was that never happened. He, he was always respected as a man. And basically if they can keep him in this this dreamlike state for all of you who know this sort of setup you make the dream seem too good to want to leave it's it's pleasurable so Thero spent a lot of his time trying to figure out Novrin's backstory during the party so he would know how to reorient the the leader druid you know so the dream state is being controlled by a demon and this demon is seeing these intruders who are trying to keep him from taking this body because that's going to be the ultimate end game this demon will take over the body of no room and so these fake people just kind of form a wall always in between them and kind of create this unbelievable amount of like space and random magic like almost like inception kind of stuff like where things can kind of shift and change however they want so I'm trying to show the players that, yes, there's a demon in control that's keeping them away from Novrin, but Novrin's still the one in charge because it's his, it's his brain. And so as long as they can reconnect that establishment, like, hey, man, like, you need to get up. Like, the real people need you, and you need to get up. And so I let them, I think, I think I went through, like, three different stages of... Yeah, the classic video game rules, you know, best of three. And so eventually they they kind of get over the thing like, wait, this isn't real. So when the demon starts noticing that they're getting the edge on, he changes the whole scenario at that point. And it's just, um, it, it, it changes to a big point in Novrin's adventuring life where he's fighting Kelthazard, which is a undead... Dracolich. Well, it's a little redundant. It's Dracolich, but it's a green dragon. And so what happens in reality is he beats the dragon. In the dream, it's just constant suppression of him, so he's always scared. It's, it's another tactic. Instead of keeping him so happy he never wants to sleep, keep him so scared that he can't wake up, he can't keep control. So the demon's just like forcing his control on him. Before I let Thero make any sort of reconnection, the raptor starts trying to wake up Cain, because Cain had the actual symbol of his master and was most pleasant with the raptor. Because when there when Cain wakes up, he sees the assassins that are taking out some of the druids, and Barbanus has been incapacitated. And like he got hit below the belt, so now his legs are paralyzed. And there he sees Rixon. And I do the I have to do like the the cocky assassin like oh Kane, you think you're so you think you're the best assassin there is but you've fallen for the oldest trick in the book and like during that monologue Kane just 
shoots a, a, an arrow like directly into his collarbone and takes out like 50 health. It was insane. And Rick is like, ah! It's, it could have died. Probably should have, but I barely saved it. So he goes invisible. Kane goes invisible. And there's two other assassins with him. And I really, this is the only time I accepted a, a split of parties because it's Kane's job to keep Thero safe because he's considered helpless in this pool of water. Thero can be taken out in an instant. So Kane gets really gets to shine on all his abilities, especially in that time where he basically almost murdered that killer. And so there's three targets that could be killing him. So Kane, oh, and also he, so he still is that teamwork, you know, trying to protect Thero. And Thero still has to do his job to keep the great tree safe. So yes, I've separated them technically with, not necessarily with space, but with priorities and what they should be doing. And it kind of creates this divide of equal responsibility where they each get to show off their, their prowess. And so Kane murders the two, well he murders the first, like, not really a minion, but the nameless kind of rogue. Murders him outright. Scares the other dude, but he kept tries to like shurikens and protect himself. Kane tumbles over them. So at this point, it was I had a, a triangle set up because I wanted to have two people at the exit and Rick's at the front trying to take care of Barbanus and getting ready to kill the guys in the, in the pool, right? So as Kane moves to take out the field at the exit, Rick said is coming out of invisibility, drink health potion, and is getting ready to go to Thero. However, the raptor is still on the defense because he I, I cannot in good heart kill my players while they're asleep. I don't think it's fair. I need there needs to be at least one or two forms of defense like before I can do that. So I let the raptor like keep space between Rixit and Thero's lifeless body. Not lifeless, unconscious body, sorry. So <laughs> with all of that, I I can't remember how Kane gets the kill. I think he just guns him, but he, he gets this strong hit on him, and he's in the negative. So I think he's like negative five. And so Rixit has the poison, and he has also um, the, the kind of like antidote sort of thing, uh, the, the reversal effect, I guess, because inside the mind of Novrin still this this demon's understanding he's losing he knows that he might lose his vessel and that's what he does not want so he starts making deals with Thero instead like hey let me out of here or we both die and i'm rolling bluff checks like because Thero should know that he can't die in here because he has his own body but the demon doesn't want to be banished back to his own plane because he's trying to get into the material plane uh, for those of you who stuck around the cosmology episode, you'll know that the abyss has been locked off from the material plane. At least I hope I covered that in the cosmology. I'm almost positive I did. So the entire time, like they're like debating because the demon's given up. He's like, dang it, because the assassin messed up. I'm about to lose my, my, my host, and I can get one more out with this guy if I just lie to him well enough. Barbanus is trying to get into um oh that's what it was <laughs> um 
Barbanus was like, hey, if you throw me into the pond, my life force will go to Novran and wake him up. Because it, it, it spoils all of this, and at least he'll be fed. <laughs> and the notes are like, no, just throw Rixit in there, because he's the one that's basically dying and still is bloody, and has this um, uh, these, these scrolls, you know, that can be useful to helping. But the only way that they figure that out is because Darrow comes out of the door. He, he refuses the demon and gets out of a doorway, which is the, one of the first times they introduce doors to the players. And he comes out and says, don't do that because he's got the antidote. So before they, like, it, it worked out so well and this this kind of cohesive each person had their own part to play and i was trying to throw morality uh, moral decisions towards them so thero being inside novrin's head novrin knew of the poison he was with knows that there's a way to get around it without sacrificing barbanus that's how it went sorry that was so convoluted uh i, I was it's been Quite a few months I played that encounter, and the notes only tell me what I'm trying to um, <laughs> get started. I, I recently started taking notes doing encounters. So yes, they they save Novrin, they kick the demon back to his plane. Rixid's dead, Sathen's dead, and they've saved this druid. So problem is, Novrin realizes since he's had that connection. This was a part of the plan. He's like, I need you guys to run up to the top and check on the weather druids. <clears throat> For those of you who know, druids have to be of a neutral alignment. And in my druid encampments, I like weather controlling druids because if there's a storm too powerful that would wipe out cities or if it just seems unnatural, they're there as the first line of defense. So when so like that's their job in the community right so when you want to take out a lot of them you need to have a more cataclysmic event on the inside so they poison over him to go up top the real assassins that are working well not real they're all real the other assassins working with rixid killed all the weather druids except for one because what can counter a storm weather druids but also, the weather druids can create ominous weather, bad weather, crazy weather. So if you only have the one, no one else can counter you, in, in essence. And they've already taken off long gone. They had like a little secret outing back to the surface, back for Zargon's plans. And so that started this another goose chase for Thero and Kane. That, that being said, that was just another line for them to follow. I, I had to lead them with that line of, of mystery and it was really nice to be able to it, it wasn't exactly the best closure but i didn't give them enough clues to just like outright bust off after them because there was quick to shoot that gun he's quick to cast fly and chase as far as he can go because he's honor bound and duty bound he will go take care of it you know so now that they have all this taken care of they give um, they give the information on the worlds of the crystal constructs, the iron nomads. They get a little more information on that. They get a little more information on the other druids being attacked. 
they, they start to see more of the, the deep-rooted plans of the cult. And so I will leave it there because when we come back, on the next episode when we come back to Dandy Boys, it'll just be them walking back to the mountain because this ultimately is the first time I've had a party complete a series of quests that basically frees up an entire region of the province. It was super satisfying to like play with that with them, to have this this region be basically protected by them and really raveled the, the masses together. So I started playing into the revolution they want to start and I started really realizing these guys will want to play and it really get quote unquote my fix on T and D, you know. And so what I try what what I want to leave with you guys if you're if you're trying to play, if you're trying to DM, be be daring with your scenery. Try to try to get those big epics panoramas like Lord of the Rings can get all the time. And definitely be daring with where you go. Be be creative. Um, maybe if there's a scion, a master of mind magic, let them be more powerful in a dreamscape like this. That was the prototype session I ran at one point. If you are a fan of dimension jumping, just stick to the basics you can, but make a make a change in the, the climate. That's why I have them in these mountains. I've always wanted to try winter and because it changes the types of monsters you can have. You don't have to be spontaneous, but keep it keep it alive and keep it breathing. And you know what? If as long as you're having fun, then everyone's gonna have a good time. So thanks for tuning in to From Out of Game. I'm gonna do my best to get to some in the DMs episodes and try to round some things out. So thank you guys for sticking around and y'all take care.